the next three weeks, we're going to jump into a conversation about some misinterpreted, uh, possibly misinterpreted passages of scripture that have been misunderstood and then misquoted, have been passed down from generation to generation. And then we kind of find ourselves today buying into the half truth or even the falsity of some of these particular phrases. So for three weeks, we're going to look at what Christians say or what people say that they think the Bible says, but the Bible doesn't say that. Does that make sense? So I hope that over the next few Sundays, you jump in with us and uh, I think you'll really be encouraged through the, the collection of conversations that we have together. And I thought about week number one and where we wanted to start. And so I just felt like, man, let, let's jump into the deep end together. Can we do that? So, so here's a phrase that's often misunderstood or misquoted from a particular passage of scripture. I'll show you that in a moment. But here, here's the phrase. Many of you have said this. Most of us have heard this. And the phrase is, God will never give you more than you can handle. Uh, let, me, let me see both locations. A show of hands. Have you ever said this or heard this phrase right here? God will never give you more than you can handle. Uh, well, the, the the Bible doesn't say that. Come on. Uh, now, here's what I know. A phrase like this is filled with great optimism. A phrase like this gives us incredible hope in the middle of our despair. The problem, though, with a phrase like this, although full of optimism, fails to tackle the reality of the brokenness and the pain and the hurt that everybody experiences. I'm going to make a statement. It'll be a blanket statement really over the course of any message we ever do, but especially this particular series. The Bible doesn't say that. It's my job. My primary job is your pastor. Whenever I, I bring the message to make sure that I preach to you the truth. Nobody said amen, but one, but that's all right. I'm, I'm going to give, I'm, it's probably because our culture is not used to hearing the truth. It's my job to bring the truth. It's not my job to bring you some cheap, sentimental, watered-down version of Christianity or to protect you from certain parts of the Bible because I think that that might, you know, offend you. I want to bring you the truth, the truth from God's Word. So let me start with the truth. The truth is God is good. Come on, give me a better amen. God is good. God is faithful. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of grace. God is a God of love. Am I talking to anybody yet? God is sovereign and God is just. And we could stay here all day just uh, giving adjectives to describe the nature and the character of God. But guess what? None of that exempts us from life. Life happens. Pain comes brokenness comes. And while we would love to think that, hey, we'll never go through something more than we can handle, this is not actually true. Now, here's another thing that I need to say before we jump in to a particular verse. Uh, this particular phrase also suggests that everything that you face in life comes from God. And that's not true either. Now, we do know this. In the Bible, it says that every good and perfect gift comes from our Father above. Can I get a good amen right there? But the bad stuff, don't, don't point your finger at God for all the bad stuff. Um, God, God did not create evil. Are you with me? Like, we live in a world that is full of sin. And so because we live in a sin-filled world, there's going to be sickness. But sickness is not from God. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, and I don't, I, don't want this to, I don't want this to be a message that puts anybody down. I really want it to build you up. But I think we blame God for a lot of things that he's not at fault for. And we don't, we don't honor God or worship God for the things that he actually does for us. So sometimes we get it backwards. Are you, are you with me? So sickness does not come from God. Evil does not come from God. For those of you that maybe walked into a campus today and you're walking through a separation or a divorce, not all divorce comes from God. I know what the Bible says about divorce, but I also think that sometimes God wants you to get out of a relationship if you're being physically or verbally abused. Come on. And if you're here today and you're in a, a physically abusive relationship, we want to get you some help to get out of that because you're worth more than that. Come on, somebody encourage whoever I'm talking to. But not all divorce comes from God. So I don't want you to take a phrase like this and think, well, I'll, I'll, never, I'll never face a problem or a challenge that's bigger than what I can endure. And I don't want you to think that every negative thing comes from God. Are you with me? So where would a phrase like God will never give you more than you can handle come from? In my study, I think it comes from this misunderstanding of 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. Now, it's on the TV already, but before we read it, I want to give you, I want to give you a, little, uh, a little application here. Whenever you read the Bible and you come across a particular passage of Scripture that really, truly speaks to you, okay, I'm challenging you to read at least, on the count of three, both locations say at least one, through two, three, at least, at least 10 verses before and 10 verses after. Because a lot of times, whenever we find a Bible verse that we really, really like, we take it out of context and pardon the grammar, but it don't mean what you think it means. So, so a lot of times, whenever people are living in a life that doesn't line up with God's word, they'll take a verse and they'll misquote it because they don't know the context behind it. And they use that verse to justify their sinful behavior. I wish somebody would just kind of be like, okay, he's talking now. Um, he, here, yeah. So anyway, I want you to read 10 verses before and 10 verses after. And what happens in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is we fail to do that. Now here's the verse. Paul says to the church at Corinth, he says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. Do you know that to be true? Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Watch the verse continuing. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. Now, now when you read that one verse, like in, a, uh, in an isolated manner, it makes you think, well, God will never give me more than I can handle. But what Paul is actually saying 10 verses prior and 10 verses after, he's talking about the temptation to sin, not the trials of hardship and pain and brokenness. He's talking about the warning against idolatry and sexual immorality and that this world is going to throw temptation to sin at you, but greater is he on the inside of you than he that's in the world. Because of the Holy Spirit that's alive in you, you can, you can overcome the temptations of this world. Are you with me? But Paul is not talking about difficulties. Paul's not talking about trials and pain and brokenness. As a matter of fact, if you go one book later, so in 1 Corinthians 10, you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 
the Apostle Paul, writing to the same church at Corinth, says, Now, I don't want you to be uninformed, my brothers and my sisters, about the troubles that we experienced in the province of Asia. He says, We were under great pressure, and watch, far beyond our ability to endure. I don't know, I don't know if any of you are or like me in our testimony, but there have been seasons in my life where I have faced life and learned really quickly that this is far beyond my ability to endure it. I don't have enough natural strength to make it through whatever it is I'm faced with. And then Paul says this, the weight of it was so much that we despaired of life itself. This isn't the only place in the Bible though that talks about how life can be too much for us to handle. I think about Elijah when he was on the run from Jezebel who was looking to kill him. The angel of the Lord appeared to Elijah in 1 Kings and the angel said, get up and eat because the journey is too much for you. I think about in Psalm 38, the the psalmist David was writing or praying this prayer of repentance over uh, just the, the sin nature within him. And he said this, he said, for For my iniquities are gone over my head. I've been there too where I've faced so much in my life, I feel like I'm drowning in it. Somebody just nod at me if you've ever been there. Like, I I feel like I'm sinking in my despair. He said it's a a heavy burden that weighs too much for me. Go to verse 8. He says, "I'm, I'm feeble and I'm broken and I'm utterly crushed and I groan, wow, in anguish of heart. Keep reading. You come to the ministry of Jesus. For for God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus. So God took on skin in the form of Jesus, in the form of humanity. And God sent us Jesus. And Jesus would go to the cross. And Jesus would pay our debt that you and I could not pay. See, because of our sin, we all deserve death but Jesus. And Jesus was on his way to the cross and he, he gets to the garden of Gethsemane and the Bible says that he prayed so fervently that his sweat turned into drops of blood. And in one moment, Jesus recognized that what I'm about to endure, I, I can't do it. And watch, and not only can I not do it, but I don't know if I want to do it. I've been there too, where I've been in the middle of facing something, some pain, some problem. And I've said to God, hey, can you also take this cup from me? I'm a pretty transparent pastor. And and, and I got to be honest with you, there have been moments in my life where I have cried out to God. I've been angry with God and said, God, come on, you're holy and you're magnificent and you're wonderful. So can't you just take like some magical wand and wave it over my problem and fix it? Can't you take this cup from me? Stop and pause and think about Jesus. Jesus being crucified on that cross and and who was at the foot of the cross? Who was in the middle of the crowd? It was his mother, Mary, looking up at that old rugged cross with her son hanging lifeless on that tree. And yet, how in that moment could someone say, hey, look, God will never give you more than you can handle. I'm going to tell you three, three scenarios that have happened since Monday of this week. I'll approach these three stories with a great grace and compassion. But I want to tell you, since Monday, three, three stories. 
Because a lot of times as Christians, we, we try our best to find the words to say to someone that is overwhelmed by life. Okay, none of us are exempt from storms. And sometimes though, uh, if we're not careful, our words don't comfort, they can actually hurt and confuse. So as a pastor, scratch that label, as, as a Christian, how could I say to the mother that within a 24-hour period, all three of these situations are real, by the way, how can I say to a mother that within a 24-hour period, both her son and her daughter suddenly died within 24 hours? How could I say, hey, come on. God will never give you more than you can handle. How does she pick up the broken pieces of losing two children, grown children, but still, I'm learning this, that no matter how old I get, I'm still mama's boy. Come on now. And I'm mama's favorite. I just want all my siblings to hear that in case you're watching. How can a mom lose two kids in 24 hours and me suggest, hey, God will never give you more than you can handle? How can I say to the family that called and said about their husband, who's also a father and a grandfather, who has lived a life of sobriety for decades now, in recent months, slipped back into a life of addiction. Took off from home. They haven't heard from him in six weeks. And he shows up this week, strung out on drugs and cocaine, and arm is shot up from needles. How, how do I say to that family, hey, what are you crying for? God will never give you more than you can handle. How, how do I say to the mother and the father who on Monday, we buried their infant son who only lived for two hours. God will never give you more than you can handle. Don't, don't sweat it. Here's the truth. God is really faithful. And God, God even, even when the bad things come, God can turn all things and get glory from it. Let me say it to you like this. God can take tragedy and he can get triumph. That's the kind of God that he is. God is the kind of God that what the devil meant for evil, God can get good. God is the type of God that regardless of what the circumstances, regardless of the problem, God can work all things. Somebody say all things. God can work all things out. But at the end of the day, you need to know something. Life happens. Life happens. Today's probably a little bit uh, more heavy than, than what we're familiar with, but I really feel this word so strong. And when I was praying and just studying and fasting over this message, I, th I thought about my own life. When I was 11 years old, 11 years old, my best friend committed suicide. I was a kid. He was just a kid. When I was 13, my dad, and you've heard me say this before, but my dad died from a heart attack. I didn't even get to tell him bye. At 16, I watched my aunt lose her battle to cancer, but really she was victorious because she was a believer in Christ Jesus. At 19, I lost my sister to cirrhosis of the liver. She could never overcome the addiction. She drank a bottle of vodka almost every single day. And it killed, how, how could anybody, especially as an adolescent and just, it seemed like every other year there was another tragedy. How could somebody say to me, JC, come on, 
God will never give you more than you can handle. Don't sweat it. I couldn't handle that. It's too much for me. It was too confusing for me. And, and at 11, 13, 16, 19 years old, here's what I did. I tried to become like overly philosophical with what my reality was processing. Like, what's happening here? You don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever felt that way? Like, what's going on? And why is this, why is this happening to me? And so, because my finite mind could not comprehend an infinite God, I, I turned to what the world would offer. And the world offered me alcohol. And the world offered me addiction. And for years, that was the life that I lived. Because I felt like I can't, I can't handle, it on, handle it all, but I've got to figure it all out. And so there was a bottle. Here's the thing, and I don't know if this is for anybody, but here's the thing about addiction. There's never enough. There's never, there's never enough. So one drink will turn to two, and two will turn to ten, and one hit will turn to four, and four hits will turn to cocaine. One click on a website, you know, www, I don't need to be looking at this.com. You know what I'm talking about will turn into a lifestyle of addiction if you're not, if you're not careful. And see, the world, the world understands that life is too much to handle, so they, they offer all of these outlets. But, but those outlets fail in comparison to the outlet that we find in God. I need 200 people to help me right now. God, here, here, here's what I would say to somebody that's going through a season of life is giving me more than I can handle. This is not the time to turn from God. This is the time that you turn to God. Come on. Let, let those around you and let the words that are coming out of my mouth be a testimony to the faithfulness of God. The world will let you down, but God will never let you down. The world will fail you, but God will never fail you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on. I've been there. I've done that. And it led me to a life of regret and shame and guilt. See, life happens, man. So if, if life would never give us more than we could handle, then why, why would we need the local church? If, li if, life, if life never gives you more than you can handle, then what's the purpose of all of this? Now, now I'm the pastor, so I, like I, I got to be here. Hello? But, but if I wasn't the pastor, and my, my team it will tell you that I, I try to view church through this lens often, like take off the pastor hat. Kimberly and I and our two kids, we just attend church here. Let me tell you, if I just attended here, I, I would see the value of the reality that we are, listen to me, brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're the family of God. And I want to say something to you. Many of you are not taking advantage of your family enough. We, we need one another. Why do, why do you, oh, Jesus, I don't want to put you down. I want to build you up. But why do you come in here and pretend like you've got it all together? 
Why do you come in here so, so dignified and you put on a front and you wear a mask? Like, listen to me, take off the mask, become undignified and admit that I don't have it all together, but I need my brothers and my sisters to encourage me, to hold my hand, to put their arm around me. Come on, this is a great place to pause if you agree with this, like, this is, this, this is the purpose of the local church. This is not a place for perfect people because none of us are perfect. No, this is a place where we worship the only one who is perfect, but we come in broken and we come in beat down and we come in hurting. This is a hospital for hurting people that would admit that life is too much to handle. But in the name of Jesus, there is hope. Come on, somebody say hope. There is hope. And while I feel like I can't make it today, through the hope that I find in Jesus, I'll be able to wake up tomorrow and to see the sun shine in all of its glory. You need the church. Oh God, I feel this so strong. I don't want you to come to church so I can count you in attendance. I want you to come to church so you can put your shoulder, put your head on my shoulder and you cry. It ain't been a good Sunday until I look down and there's some mascara on my shoulder. From some late, oh God. I don't think, oh, this sweater would cost me money. I think, no, this is the purpose of why we gather. Paul said it like this our responsibility is to, to carry each other's burdens. I'm trying to share with you just what I feel in my spirit, and I don't mean for this to come across as critical, but when you walked in today at whatever location, did you even consider what row you're sitting on and the pain of the people around you? Come on, listen to me. The earth does not rotate on its axis just for you. On your row. You, oh, Jesus, you have no idea the brokenness of the people on your row and what they're going through. A moment ago during worship at our South Metro campus, a lady came to the altar during worship and, and she began to lift her hands. And, and I thought, I wonder what people think about her because some of you were very critical. She's always up there worshiping when the music, she ought to sit down. You don't know that she was diagnosed with breast cancer a few years ago, but God healed her. Come on now. So her praise is not contingent upon your opinion. Her praise is contingent upon the reality that God is good all the time. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So instead of walking in here with a critical eye, walk in here with a brokenness and an empathy for the person that right, is right next to you, realizing that they may be going through more than what you're going through. And if you just grabbed their hand or touched their shoulder and said, I'm here for you, I'm praying for you, God put you on my row on purpose. Imagine that. If life didn't give us more than we could handle, why would we need the Holy Spirit? You're a part of a church today that believes in the Trinity. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe that God is the Father, God is the Son, and God is the Holy Spirit. We believe that God the Father loves you enough to send you his Son, and he loves you enough to fill you with the Holy Spirit. So if life, if life didn't give you more than you can handle, why would we need the Holy Spirit? a greater power than our own power. Amen. Romans 8 says it like this in verse 26, that in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. 
Even, even in my adolescence and going through some of the things that I shared with you, and even in my attempt to run away from God, the Holy Spirit was running after me. Uh, let, me let me say it to you like this. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, you can run, but you can't hide. You cannot outrun the love of God, the grace of God, and the mercy of God. God, God wants to save you and redeem you and fill you with the power that is far greater than your own power so that when the storms of life show up, and I'm not speaking doom and gloom over you, I'm just trying to be real. Life happens. But when you are in Christ Jesus and you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then you stand not on your own strength. It's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit, says the Lord. I know the cameras can't pick up on this, and I'm not trying to exploit anybody's story. But Danny is sitting on the front row going through chemotherapy and the doctors have given him a bad report. How could I say to you, man? Well, don't worry, God will never give you more than you can. No, I'm telling you this. I'm telling you that God will fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you feel weak going through chemo, God will be your strength. And God is able to heal you. Come on, somebody by faith. As a matter of fact, in the name of Jesus, through the authority of Jesus, I speak healing over your body. Christ cures cancer. And although you can't figure it out, you stand on the promise of God. All of his promises are yes and amen. Come on, somebody give Jesus praise. Life happens and life hurts. I told our executive pastor this morning, I said, you know, this church is growing multiple locations, buying property, adding gatherings, looking at future campuses. And I said, you know what? At the end of the day, who cares? Like, who cares? You think the single mama that walked into this auditorium today or the single mom at Germantown that walked in working multiple jobs, trying to make ends meet to provide for her children, you think she really gives two flying flips? Now we got two locations and an online internet campus. Oh, she needs hope. And listen to me. I want the fa I feel this. I'm going to preach it. I, I want the favor of God. God, you grow, go church as big as you want go church to be. But may we never lose our focus on you. And may we never lose our focus on people. People walk into this room. They walk into Germantown. They're broken and they're hurting because life happens. So how will you respond? How are you going to respond? What are you, what are you going to do when, when life throws you a curveball? And some of you, you live in, you're paralyzed by fear of the what ifs. I'm not living my life like that. Man, like, oh, geez, I'm running out of time. Watch this. Uh, my son goes on a field trip on Friday. He's going to, in Georgia, we got Stone Mountain uh, in the winter. It's called Snow Mountain. It's fake snow. His mind was blown. I was like, dude, that ain't real snow. Do not eat any of it. <laughs> like, don't eat any of it, man. So he goes on this field trip, and I didn't even want to tell Kimberly. I was nervous. I was so, I don't know why. I'm not, I'm typically not an anxious guy, but I don't know. Like, I had this vision of his tube going off Snow Mountain, you know, and he's like, Dad. I'm like, man, I couldn't go on the field trip, man. I had this fear, and I didn't want to tell Kimberly. I get online. I Google how many deaths at Snow Mountain. 
you're, you're laughing, but when you cough, you go to WebMD. So, you know you do. Some of y'all got a cough this week. You're like, my God, I got the coronavirus right now. Oh, you know, quarantine me. And we, live, we live our lives in such fear. But Kimberly, she finally came to me and she was like, I'm a little nervous. And I was like, you are? Nothing to be nervous about. Man, I prayed in the Holy Spirit all day, you know. See, the enemy would love for you to, to fear the unknown. But God's good. God, somebody needs to hear this, especially somebody wrestling with your faith. God's not out to get you. God's not sitting up in the corner of heaven like, okay, how can I get Phil today? <laughs> Haven't picked on Phil in a while. That's not God. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Watch, plans to prosper you. Not to harm you, but to give you hope and a so you don't have to live in fear, but let's be honest, life happens. So what are you going to do when life happens and you can't handle it? Let me give you five things. I'm going to move really quick. Number one is this. I want you to know that nothing is too big and nothing is too hard for God. Amen. You know what? I'm going to be honest with you. That was really weak. Y'all are like, well, amen. No, I said nothing is too big and nothing is too hard for God. I, I come with this message with great levels of respect, but I, it doesn't matter what the doctor says. Thank you. Thank you for your research and your study and your commitment to, to, to medicine. But at the end of the day, we serve the great physician. Listen, I respect lawyers, but it doesn't matter what the lawyer says because we serve the great advocate. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Nothing is too big for God. There is no mountain too high. There is no valley too low. Now, you and I, it's too hard for us, but it ain't too hard for God. Pardon the grammar. Jeremiah wrote it like this. The Lord says, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh is anything. Woo! Is anything too hard for me? The answer is no. Listen to me. Write it down. Nothing is too big and nothing is too hard and nothing is too much for God. I'll fill in the blank. Is anything. What is it that you're up against today? I can't, I can't bring back the loved one that died prematurely. But I can tell you this. Look at me. God can use that as your testimony and your ministry to proclaim the faithfulness of God. Here's the second thing. Uh, you're going through a situation where life is too much for you to handle. Watch. I want you to stop trying to handle what God is asking you to hand off. Here's what we do. Okay, I'm going to carry it. I'm going to carry it. I'm going to put it on my shoulders. and You forget that. You got the local church to get into a group so we can pray with you and love on you. So I'm, a, I'm just going to try to carry it all. The, the sickness I'll put on my, my back and the lost job I'll put on my back and the rebellious children and I'll, I'll carry that. And watch, it all, it all becomes too much for you to handle, but you, you try to handle it. And you say things like, I got this. You don't got this. You, you don't got this. God wants you to, to hand it off because whenever you hand it off, you say, okay, Lord, like I can't, I can't do this anymore. There comes, watch, here's the word, there comes a peace. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is what some of you need. You need rest in Christ. You're not sleeping well 
And when you get physically tired, you get dumb. When you get tired, you make some dumb choices. Come, somebody testify to that. When you get tired, and God says, I just, I want to give you rest. I want to give you physical rest. I want to give you emotional rest. I, I want to give you mental rest because you're always at war and always at conflict. And the reason is, is because you're unwilling to hand off what you're trying to handle. God says, don't handle it. Just give it to me. Here's the third thing, and I got to move. I want you to find people that will really pray with you and really pray for you. When I, whenever I go through something, I need some people around me that I know, that I know they're going to pray for me. And when they pray for me, they're going to touch heaven for me. Watch, I need some people who will pray for me when I can't pray for me. I'm, I'm done with people that I share my problems with. And they'll say things like, well, I'll be praying for you. Oh, no, you're going to pray for me right now. Like, right, I shared my need now. You ought to pray. If you're too busy to pray for me now, what makes me think you won't be too busy to pray for me later? Stop and pray for me right now. I shared with you my need. I don't care if we're in Walmart on aisle five. Pray for me right here, right now. I don't care if we're in the restaurant. You asked me how I was doing. I was vulnerable. Grab me by my hands and pray. And let me tell you, I... I got a few people, I got a few people in my life that when they pray, I know God's like, I'm hearing you. You need some people like that. I, I want you to find some people that when you say, will you pray for me? You become their priority and they touch heaven on your behalf. Are we okay today? Two more thoughts. Whenever you are going through something more than you can handle, I want you to hold fast to the word of God. Oh, that book. Whew. It's our lifeline. It's our hope. Come on, pick up that Bible. Don't just read it when you need something. Read it because you love them. But I want you to hold fast to God's word. People will say some really crazy things when you go through tragedy. And they, they mean well, but it's just ignorant. Y'all, anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, why would you say that to me? Okay, but God's word never fails. Watch this. You, you got to write down the reference because I got to move really quick. Psalm 147, verse 3. God heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds. Isaiah 40, 29. He gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Deuteronomy 29, 29. For the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to you and your children forever. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8. The Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Romans 8, 28. And we know this, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give it to you as the world gives it. Why? Because the world offers a counterfeit peace. Jesus says, I'm going to give you the real thing. Well, I need to say this, and again, I'm trying to be very guarded with my words, but on Monday at that funeral for that precious baby, I watched as mom and dad during that celebration of life lifted their hands in worship, tears, rightfully so, streaming down the cheeks of their face. But there was this overwhelming peace, a peace, pain, yes, but peace, yes. It, 
Listen to me. It, cha- it changed my life. Watching a family worship through the most difficult moment they've ever experienced. Peace. That only comes from Jesus. No pill can give you that kind of peace. No drink can give you that kind of peace. No drug can give you that kind of peace. Only the peace of God, the peace that passes all of our understanding. And here's the last one. Whenever life gives you more than you can handle, I want you to realize that it's okay to not be okay. But God doesn't want you to stay that way. Isn't that good? Don't pretend like you don't have a problem. We all got problems. So just be honest and say, God, I just need you. So I'm not, I'm not coming to church to pretend like I got it all together. You don't. <laughs> you know, my father-in-law who sits on the front row so gracefully, because I know a lot of times he hears me preach anything, man, I could do a better job than he can. You enjoy the sermon, he endures the sermon. But I think I can speak for him. How many times have we had to stand up here in our own weakness, in our own brokenness, and fake it till we make it? You don't have to fake it. Just be vulnerable. Be real. And realize it's okay if you're not, you're not fooling God. God knew that you weren't okay. God knew that JC's not okay. That's why he sent us Jesus. But God loves you too much to let you stay there. So I'm going to say this thought, and then I'll give you a closing question. Once you come to the reality of I'm going through life, and it's more than I can handle, and I'm not okay, now you need counseling. You need counseling. Somehow in the church world, we've made counseling a, you know, a a, a no-no. Like, oh, you don't, no, you you need counseling. You do. At some point in our lives, I believe this, we can all benefit from counseling. Hear me, you need more than this sermon. You need more than a few songs on Sunday. If you're going through something where it's too much for you to handle, get counseling. We offer a full-time counselor here. Our phones ought to be ringing off the hook tomorrow. I need help. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. I need help. Here's a verse, Proverbs 11, 14. I don't always use the message translation, but I like the way that this is translated. Without good direction, people lose their way. But the more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. So here's the closing question. You ready? What will you do if life becomes more than you can handle? What's your move if life becomes more than you can handle?